I'm ready to preview the AFC South. That's the next division that we are going to predict right now. And um, I would love to start it off in Indianapolis because we had breaking news earlier this morning that AR-15 will be QB1 week one. So, Zach, I guess I'll start this one off, right? You know I like to do this. I always like to pose questions for each of the four teams in the division that we are going to preview. And my biggest question for the Indianapolis Colts is how fast will AR-15 develop as a passer? Now, if I could give you my take on him starting and being named the starter, I think it's a very peculiar situation. You know, I, I really do feel, and we talked about it, I think the way how we ended that last topic is perfect because we are judging quarterbacks differently and we are moving differently. We are developing quarterbacks differently. Now, before it was like, ah, right, you sit the, the young guy, you sit the young bull behind the veteran. Now it's like, nah, throw him out there. Right now, as it looks, we know AR-15 is starting. CJ Stroud looks like he's on track to start week one. Um, That's what I predict. Rather, Bryce Young clearly was named the starting quarterback before the preseason even kicked off. We already know I had an issue with that. But in this situation with AR-15, I'm mid. Because I am of the mindset that I do want to develop the quarterback right. Right? But at the same time, I'm a guy that I speak on the trends I see in the NFL. And clearly, the NFL is moving. And I have to move with it. So I'm in the middle. I do think when you have a guy like Stane Station and what he can bring from an offensive perspective, as far as creativity and tailoring the game to a quarterback strengths, we know his track record over there. We know that they have Jonathan Taylor. Hopefully that situation gets mapped out with the contract. It's not the NBA. He's not going to get his way. He should be back week one. I think, you know, Stane Station and Jim Irsay is like, listen, we cannot have a guy as talented as AR-15 just sitting on the bench. The bench is not the place for him to be. And the temptation was there. So that's why they was like, listen, F it. We just going to start the guy. I get it. Fine. I respect it. Whatever. But can he develop as a passer? We know that quarterbacks at times, especially um, coming into the NFL, we have to be patient. Lamar Jackson is still developing as a passer. But he won an MVP, though. Right? Um, Justin Fields is still progressing, trying to progress as a passer. So how fast is going to be his development? Because we know his knock coming into, you know, the league that he has the physical attributes. He's a physical phenom, right? He's a physical phenom. He's a physical phenomenon, but he needs to do a better job of processing information. I have a better job of showing consistency. So can he do that in the NFL? That's my biggest question. We'll see. But um, Zach, I'm curious to see how you feel that um AR-15 was named the starting quarterback today. So the mic is yours. Absolutely. Just before I get into that, before that point, um, to your point about the experience, just take a guess, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I have the answer. Since Anthony Richardson graduated high school, could you do you know how many football games he started during his time in Florida? I will say around I'm gonna go to 10 or something like that. I mean the answer is 14, but think about Eight to ten, like, that's basically nothing. Like, this dude has not played a lot of football. And, and that's my main concern, right? Because usually, like, I am usually on the side, like, okay, you you invested a top five pick in this guy. Play him right away so you have as much evidence as you can that this guy is or is not the quarterback of the future. Make a decision from there. But my thing with Anthony Richardson is, like, 
I watched him a lot at Florida last year. And I, every time I watched him, it was the same thing, right? You saw like a, a few plays that flash and it's like, okay, this is why this kid has all, all the hype. He has all the physical attributes. And you see flashes that this kid could be a big time player one day. But at the same time, I also have the worry that this could go so bad that his confidence is just shot. And by week 10, week 11, they have to make a move and send him to the bench. That's how I think it could blow up in their face. So this is a risky decision. As crazy as it might sound, I I, I get both sides, but I I lean towards starting Gardner Minshew because that is the one thing. Like if you don't think a quarterback is ready and that possibility is in the air, then you don't even want to entertain that risk. But I understand, like you drafted him in the top five. You want all the evidence you have that you could have to make an appropriate decision on his future. Like, Bill Belichick, I've brought this up before, but like the way he handled the Mac Jones situation, his rookie year was perfect. Like he didn't give him the job, but Mac did enough to earn it and he wasn't afraid to start him right away. And based on what we saw at Alabama, we knew that Mac was at least capable of just, you know, being a, a pro and he got that team to the playoffs as a rookie. You know, I agree with the Panthers starting Bryce Young. I agree with the Texans starting CJ Stroud, but this situation in particular, like Anthony Richardson, you look at some of his game logs last year, it, it was awful. Like, like he was thrown for less than 200 yards, less than, you know, uh, 55% completion percentage. Like there's still a ton of raw aspects to this guy's game. And if you're the Colts, that's my worry is if this kid throws like two or three interceptions a week and can't fix it, what do you do? I think when you talk about, you know, just developing quarterbacks and all that, I forgot the point. The point is not jumping back to me. You know, um, there's a point that I wanted to make. I'll see if it come back, but let me go to another stratosphere here. I think when you talk about making mistakes, right, you know, I can see the scenario where people can say that you do learn from your mistakes by playing. Like, I think personally, every situation is different, right? And I did get the point. Thank God. But I'll finish what I'm saying now. Uh, matter of fact, let me go to the point that just came to me because I want to forget it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back to that. So I would say personally that Gardner Minshew is probably off the top of my head the best backup quarterback in the league. And for AR-15 to get the start, I just have to assume that he showed something in practices, right, that that's why he got the job. I just have to assume it because not only that, but Gardner Minshew was coming from the same system from um, Steichen or Steichen. I, I think it's Steichen from Steichen, right? When they ran, you know, in um, Philly. So he was his backup quarterback over there. So you assumed in a way, or you could assume that I, right, he brought him over there for a reason, which is to start week one and to help develop the young guy that they were going to draft. And that's how you would predict it would play out. But it had to be something that AR-15 has shown in practices while they are starting him, unless they are really being antsy and impatient here. Yeah, what but are the owners involved? I think that's what's happening. It, it probably was the owner. The owner, he, we know you know, I heard his comments. I heard his comments. You know, Plus, but like, he's, if they don't have Taylor, like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> uh, I think they will have Taylor. Um, If you're starting AR-15 without Taylor, then... um. Yeah, I don't really think this is going to work out. I don't think it's a good idea. So because of the Taylor contract, whatever, however they handle it, hopefully that gets situated. And I think when you have a good coach and I'm um, staking and you have a top running back in the league and you have a solid defense and you have, you know, decent weapons, that's how you could develop a quarterback quick. You know, so um, I don't know, Zach, it's a very polarizing topic, but um, 
I was shocked that it came so fast. Being that the preseason game we saw, it wasn't special, but it wasn't bad. It was basically what we got yeah. out of college, the ups and the downs, right? That's what I saw. You know, the interception off the back foot, but the explosive throw down the field to Alec Pierce that he dropped. You know what I'm saying? Best throw of the day. Best throw of the day, literally. So, you know, I don't know. They ready, and hopefully AL-15 is ready. Can he develop as a pass is my biggest question. But is he so explosive that he can still get the experience, win games like how Lamar Jackson has done? I'm not saying this year, but, you know, the first couple years possibly win a few games in there and show, all right, this guy is a legitimate dude. He just got to develop as a passer. Or would it be like Justin Fields of last year where, okay, this guy's explosive and he's making highlight real plays, but the plays are an outlier. He's not the best quarterback in the league. He's a guy that's making explosive oh, plays I, with losing. You know what I would, would compare it to? I think it, it's very reminiscent of, of Josh Allen in his rookie year. And now Allen didn't start his rookie year, but by like about week 10, week 11, he came in, finished the season, and then got them to the playoffs the next year. Like I think that might have been a better option. Like start Minshew for the first nine, 10 games, try to win. And if it's not going well and you know your season's over, like then you go to AR. But it's just so it, it's crazy because he is just like such a unique prospect in the sense that the majority of the time I watched him last year, it wasn't very good. Like the efficiency was just crazy bad and the inaccuracy was not great, but then there are just a few flashes where you realize like, man, this, this guy could be special one day. And uh, that's why the Colts drafted him within the top five. Jim Ursay, man, he just worries me in this situation. I, I just think like, I do not trust that guy running my football team for the end of time. And, and I do think he might've gotten involved with the decision. Cause you're right. Like, Steichen probably brought in Minshew to, to start week one from Philly. They have the connection, but sometimes an owner gets involved. And that's another thing. I brought this up with Steichen uh, regarding the Jonathan Taylor situation. But, like, this is this just shows you, like, how difficult it could be being a head coach in the NFL sometimes. Because when you're an offensive coordinator, they don't really teach you, like, how to deal with the owner hovering above you to make decisions. They're dealing with a, a star player holding out. Like, that's why these head coaches, uh, their jobs are so important. That's why they get paid the big bucks. And that's really my main point, man. Like, I just don't trust Jim Ursay uh, running my football team. He ruined Andrew Luck, and I really hope he doesn't do the same thing with uh, Anthony Richardson. No, I agree there. All right, let's head over to the other young quarterback that is ushering well, into the NFL. Right? There's, three yeah. there's three of them in this division, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, well, Stroud? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he's starting, but if you believe that, then there's no, three. In general, he's not starting. I, yeah, I'm just saying in general. Like, there are three, you know, pretty high-profile rookie quarterbacks. Definitely. There's three, you know, young quarterbacks in there that's, um, you know, new quarterbacks of the league. But one quarterback that we know is going to start or think we know is going to start is C.J. Stroud. And I would love to talk about the Texans. So, Zach, I'll kick it over to you to kick us off. Yeah, well, so here's my thing with C.J. Stroud, right? Obviously – his performance in his first preseason game on Thursday, that wasn't great. And I'm not worried, like too worried about that interception in particular, right? Like it happens. You're a rookie quarterback playing Bill Belichick and your first ever start on the road, like not so great weather. Like that's a tough, tough task for your first NFL start, right? My concern with CJ Stroud is this though. I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where a player is coming from just such a loaded team at Ohio state, right? Like he had Marvin Harrison jr. Who's probably, yeah, he is the best wide receiver in college football right now. He had Garrett Wilson. He had Chris Olave. He had an elite offensive line. Like That's my thing. C.J. Stroud faced more pressure 
in his preseason opener on Thursday night, I think, than he did in his entire career at Ohio State. And I like C.J. Stroud. I, I thought he was just a safe pick, like doesn't necessarily have the highest ceiling, doesn't necessarily have the lowest floor. But I think in a not-so-great situation like Houston, he could struggle at times this year. And I just think, man, like, you know, we talk a lot about the Ohio State quarterbacks and the fact that they haven't had, like, a great history coming into the league. And I think Stroud in particular is a situation where that worries me because, like, with two at Alabama, right, like he had stud wide receivers, Henry Ruggs, Judy, uh, Waddle, like he had Najee Harris in the backfield. Like that was a loaded team. But when you watched Alabama, you could still tell like Tua had a lot to do with why they were having so much success. Like he was a Heisman candidate and so was CJ Stroud, but he just didn't necessarily pop the same way until really that Georgia game. But that was his last game in an, in a, an Ohio state uniform. So that's my main worry with CJ Stroud is he came from such a great situation at Ohio state with like his uh, wide receivers in college, Olave, Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr., are literally better by a significant margin than any receiver he has right now. Like the Texans' number one receiver is like Robert Woods. They have Dalton Schultz as a solid tight end, but that's my main worry with Houston and Stroud is like, I just think the situation is so much worse than what he faced in college, and that's a concern. One other point I will say though, I do think the consensus opinion on Houston right now is that they made a pretty big mistake trading their first round pick next year to Arizona because most people are expecting they're going to be, you know, one of the five worst teams in the league in Arizona, who is most likely tanking this year is going to have two top five picks, which is a great situation to be in. But I do think that D'Amico Ryans is such a good coach that he's not going to let that happen. I'm a big D'Amico Ryans believer. I think this Texans team it's going to start off pretty pretty slowly, and there are going to be some concerns. But I think by season's end, they'll be a little bit better than we expect, and I think they'll be about a five- to six-win team. Yeah, definitely. I think when you talk about, you know, the weapons that C.J. Stroud had and it's not looking like the NFL, you know, it's not translating into the NFL, it's worse. You can make those same arguments about Justin Fields when you talk about Chicago of last year and Mac Jones in New England and how – those quarterbacks are looking good in those teams and how they are drafted high to teams that are picking high for a reason. And I think when you talk about my biggest question for the Texans is can this organization go from being a laughing stock of an organization to a promising franchise? Because when you talk about the Texans, the last couple of years, they've been a laughing stock and it goes back a couple of years ago where Bill O'Brien got bumped up to, you know, making the personnel decisions and he traded superstar DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals for a couple mid round picks and David Johnson. And um, they had the franchise quarterback, Deshaun Watson there, and he was playing good ball. And then the way how they handled his situation, he requested a trade and everybody wanted him to request a trade because we look at the Texans as a cluster, you know, a cluster mess. And although Deshaun Watson is not in the good graces of the media right now. At the time, we understood why he wanted out from Houston. And they became this franchise that you didn't really want to play for. They had a racist owner. And uh, McNair. God still, rest we said? Oh, oh may, yeah. Maybe the family still in control of the team. So yeah. I know there was um another. I, I'm not sure if the. It might be the same owner. Yeah. The same family. Yeah. Um, McNair and all that. And um, yeah. Not a lot of winning. They picked high for a reason. And can we turn this around? Can this be a team by the end of this year 
that we say, okay, I like where they're headed. And I think how you do that is you hire a coach that can change the culture of an organization. Check. They did that with D'Amico Ryans. You can also do that by drafting a franchise quarterback. I'm not sure if he's going to be one, but check. They got their guy who they think is a franchise quarterback and CJ Stroud. Check. And you can do that by just building around those guys with young, talented players. Check. Yeah, they, might have, they might have also, you know, drafted the best defensive player in the draft as well. Literally. So they have foundational pieces. I think they can turn it around. They can make the national media say, well, hold up. This is a team that is more optimized. Like we are more optimistic, excuse me, about this team. Because you look at the Browns, we wasn't optimistic about them. And they made the playoffs. And everybody started feeling better about them. Kevin Skafanski came over, took over the job, and everybody feel better about them. Now, everybody's mid, but it's better than where we felt about them prior to them drafting Baker Mayfield and adding Deshaun Watson. The Jets was looking like a, another team that's dysfunctional, and now we feel good about them. The Giants, we thought that they was, you know, what the hell are they doing with management, and now they're looking good right now. So can the, the Texans be that next team? The Lions as well. I'm glad you brought them up. They're another team that you could add to this you know, conversation. So can the Texans be this next team that transforms from a dysfunctional franchise to a franchise that has a promising future? And when you look on the defensive side of the ball, I'm very interested in seeing what D'Amico Ryans could do as far as coaching this defense. You're talking about a a guy in D'Amico Ryan who coached the 49ers number one defense in the league, and they limited opponents to 77.7 77.7 rushing yards per game, the lowest in the league. And meanwhile, the Texans have given up the most rushing yards in the NFL. So I like the pieces that they have on defense. You're talking about Steven Nelson, quarterback, um, the other young quarterback, Derek Stingley. You also got Will Anderson, whom they drafted with a highly invested pick. And Ryan's is going to bring that that energy to the to the team in general. And I think he's going to be a culture changer. And that's going to spell well for the Texans. Now, as far as Stroud, I'm still in the middle as far as what I believe him to be. I never was high on him as as far as AR-15 and Bryce Young. Those was always my two quarterbacks whom I said, if I was a guy drafting, I would want either of those two guys. CJ Stroud, to me, doesn't have the upside to really get this thing going early because when you are still building your offensive line, you're going to need to be mobile in order for you to create, you know, especially as this team is being built. And I don't think he has that upside, at least with AL-15. We could be a little bit nervous about him getting to start week one, but he has athleticism to fall back on. So if he's not developed as a passer, which was my biggest question, he can still lean to, you know, being the runner and running the RPOs and still affecting the game, even if it's not coming through the air right now. And I still think he has a strong arm, as we saw on Saturday, to make those throws, you know, in spots. So... With C.J. Stroud, we saw that interception. I'm not going to lose my mind over that interception he threw against the Patriots, but I am curious to see how he's able to, you know, just have a a, a decent rookie season based on the Texans still being an unfinished product. So um, I'll leave us with that. Yeah, I agree. I think they're kind of an intriguing team in the sense that, yeah, like usually everyone's going to look at them. They're like the Texans. Like, you know, they're not going to really do anything this year and I don't think they will either but I do think their roster 
one to fifty three. It, it's starting to improve. It's it's a little bit better than we expected. And I do think D'Amico is the right guy for that job. And I think he's going to make the team even better. Like I, I said it, but I think the some the consensus opinion around our, uh, Houston right now is what do they do trading their first round pick next year to Arizona when it could be in the top five and they might be in the Caleb Williams or Drake May sweepstakes. But I do think that D'Amico Ryan's like. He's going to coach this team to overachieve. I, I think they're going to be better than we expect, uh, and uh, I think they'll win about five, six games this year. Okay. Yeah. Zach, I'm ready to move on to the next team here, and I want to go to Tennessee Um, because Tennessee is the only 10 I see, even though that's lies. Clearly lies, right? Clearly a jokey joke. My biggest question that I have, and I want to kick us off with the Titans, is – Will D-Hop succeed where other great wide receivers failed? Now, Lil, is D-Hop really going to make or break the team? Why are we? Why is the biggest question D-Hop? Why is it not, you know, um, Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback situation, the changing of the guard? Why is it not, you know, the competitive rebuild? Is it sustainable to compete? Why is it D-Hop? Well, it's D-Hop for a couple of these reasons, right? Number one. When you talk about D-Hop, clearly he's not in his prime anymore. And that's evident, right? It's evident to the president. Um, when you talk about prior to this year, we have to give D-Hop credit as far as being able to make the playoffs with different quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson being one, Kyler Murray being another. We know what Kyler Murray's stats were or is without D-Hop. We know what it is with D-Hop. And clearly his stats with D-Hop is better. So having that number one wide receiver is valuable to any team, to any quarterback, right? And he's coming over here, and a lot of people have a lot of questions. And I do as well. But I will say this. When you look at last year, I'm not sure what the world expected from D-Hop as far as production, being that he was suspended six games. We knew that coming into the year. And also being that he missed an extra two games because the team was losing and he actually quit on his team. We talk about Derek Carr quitting on this team. D-Hop did the same thing. He did not want to play in the last two games, even though they was mathematically out of it. He still quit. So he basically missed half a season. And yet he had 717 yards, which means he's still a 1,000-yard wide receiver. Because clearly, if he didn't miss eight games, literally he would have made 1,000 yards. So clearly he's still a 1,000-yard wide receiver. And he's coming to the team. And if D-Hop can at least be good and at least be a 1000 yard wide receiver which you know a lot of people may think is unlikely i think he could possibly just barely get there then this team is a very polarizing team to look at because we know they're going to rush the rock i think personally zach and this may be a hot take right and trust me it's not like i have anything big i'm unwrapping behind this take right i'm just trying to prove a point that the titans are tailor-made for this division. Number one, they are this is the easiest division in football. Number one. I think it's probably this one, but maybe the South, because I don't look at a I don't look, I don't see a dominant team in the South. So maybe it's the South. But this one is right there. I think it's neck and neck with the South, right? Um, literally the South in general is um South. But um, I think they are tailor-made for this division in the sense that they know the style of football they want to play. They want to be physical. They want to beat you up. And when you look at these young teams, like the two teams we talked about in particular, 
the Texans and the Colts, they want to beat up those young teams. They want to be physical. So that's not going to change. We know that Derrick Henry commands a certain level of attention. Stack the box to stop him. And you're going to have D-Hop on the outside doing what he do. And Traylon Burks is a guy that got up to a rocky start because of his conditioning last year. But like I said, I still believe in the guy. I think he could be a solid number two. And then you have Ryan Tannehill who's, you know, up and up. Now, I'm trying to figure out. What Titans team am I going to see this year? Because last year was a tale of two seasons. They were seven and three, right? And it's funny because we talk about competitive rebuild. That's exactly what they did. When they were seven and three, they was competitive. And when they lost every game after that, they was rebuilding. Now, this year, what, what am I going to get? Am I going to get the first half of last year or the second half of last year? And I don't know. And the Titans are a very hard team to predict, really. They are. Because I can see a world where they can be competitive in this division. And I can see where they're bottoming out. But I, I, like I said, the question goes back to D-Hop. Along with Jalen Burks, and they upgraded that wide receiver, then this team could be a team that you have to look out for. And Mike Vrabel is a top five coach indeed. Because, Zach, you had him pretty high. You had him as a top ten coach. Right? Correct. If he's really a top ten coach, then there's no reason why this team should not be competitive in this division if he's that high, if he's that highly ranked. So um, I'll leave us with that. Yeah, so I said it at the time, like when we discussed the signing, my issue with the Hopkins signing for Tennessee was the fact that it almost felt like to me that Mike Vrabel was trying not only to conv convince himself, but really everyone else that this team is still competitive and this team could still win something. So we know with that signing and Tannehill starting to uh, – start the year like they are trying to win this year and you're right like in a pretty weak AFC South I guess they can you know if, if they're really trying they should be better than the Colts they should be better than the Texans but at the end of the day man like I, I always go back to it like I just think this team will regret that playoff game in uh, at home against the Bengals when they were the number one seed in the AFC and they just blew probably their best opportunity to get to a Super Bowl in a minute. You know, we always talk about, you know, Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's never played a road playoff game. Uh, all he the Titans had to do was win that game, and they would have had Kansas City coming to their building for an AFC championship game. And I just think that's going to be a loss they look back on as the ultimate game that got away. And I respect Mike Vrabel a ton as a head coach, right? Like when you have him, you are going to be – at least competitive in most of the games you play. We saw that last year in that last game against Jacksonville. You know, like Tennessee entered that game of losers as six in a row against one of the hottest teams in the NFL in Jacksonville. It was literally Trevor Lawrence against Josh Dobbs at quarterback. And the Titans had a lead early and they were right there for the whole way. That's how good of a coach Mike Vrabel is. My issue is I don't see it leading to anything significant that's going to really have this team winning anything any uh, anytime soon. And like they drafted – Will Levis, they drafted Malik Willis. Like, if I'm a Titan fan, I want to see uh, those young quarterbacks get a chance and see what they're really made of. And um, when you have Hopkins, that signing really signals like, okay, Vrabel at least thinks this team is competitive this year. And my worry with the Titans is it almost goes back to Bill Belichick, and it's funny because Vrabel is a Belichick guy, is I think Vrabel proved himself as such a good coach that I think he kind of might have gained too much power becoming the GM basically as well. Uh, they fired John Robinson in the middle of last year when they were in first place, which was still really weird, really sketch. I think Vrabel was behind that. Like, does he have too much power in the sense that he's trying to convince himself that this team could still win when 
honestly, I think their window is it shut a long time ago. And uh, I think Ryan Tannehill should be a lame duck quarterback, but I, their coach still thinks they could win. So I just think that the, the, there's a conflict of timelines here, which I think could just cause things to spiral out of control. And my last point, when you talk about the two rookie quarterbacks who we talked about earlier when previewing this prediction or division, um, you know, C.J. Stroud, AR-15, those are rookie quarterbacks. We expect a lot of running. We expect the Texans to run the ball. We expect the Colts to run the ball. And that's going to play into the hands of the Titans because they have guys that can stop the run, like Jeffrey Simmons, you know, like D'Amico Autry. And that's why I said they're tailor-made in this division because of their physical play on both sides of the ball. They could pound you with the rock, but they could literally, you know, make your defensive line struggle and look bad because they have Derrick Henry out of the backfield. They could want to play action off of that, could open up the passing game off of that, and they could stop your run, which I expect these two young teams to do, ushering in new quarterbacks. So to me, they are literally tailor-made to contend in the South, and uh, we'll see if they're able to do that. But do you think that's the right philosophy? like long-term for their future? Like, do you think this team is close to winning anything? Like, that's my issue. No, no, they're nowhere near closer than where they were when Ryan Tannehill threw those three interceptions. But that's what they decided to do. They decided to compete still. And I think in this division, they can compete. Like I said, they tailor-made. I don't think it's good. Like, I don't think it's good long-term. They should embrace the rebuild. But until they do, they're going to give hell to any AFC South team that they play on a weekly basis. And um, Zach, I'm ready to move on to the next team, the final team here. I want to end off with the team that won the division last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Zach, by all means, you could kick us off. Yeah, well, so I got to be honest with you, man. Like, the Jaguars are a super intriguing team to me, and a lot of it just has to start off with the fact of their schedule and the fact that they play in this division, and they are by far and away the best team in this division. Like, do you see off the bat? Before we even get into the Jaguars, like, is there any scenario where they don't win this division? Because I lean to say no. Like, this is their division, right? Probably, which should be for the foreseeable future. We'll see about the quarterbacks. But we don't see a way this team doesn't win the division this year, right? Um, I'll be hella shocked. Ah, ah, ah. Um, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. Yeah, I'll be shocked. I'll just leave it like that. I won't be hella shocked, but I'll be shocked. There's a yeah. difference. And looking at the schedule, man, one thing that's super noticeable is the Jaguars. In basically every big game they play in, it's either at home or in London, which is a neutral field. Like, that's the thing looking at their schedule to me that's so interesting because I thought, like, my original main takeaway for the Jaguars going into this and really going into the season was, like, could are they good enough to take advantage of the AFC South so much where they could compete for the number one seed in the AFC? Like, that is what I'm wondering if this team could do because when you look at all of their big games, right, week two, Kansas City at home. They played them twice last year, both on the road. Then they have Buffalo in London, and then they play – that's after a game against the Falcons. So the weird thing about the schedule is they're the first team in the history of the NFL to play two weeks in a row in London. And we know that the Jaguars are, you know, London's team. Some people think they might even move there one day. But I'm curious, like, October 8th, they play the Bills in London. The fact that they're going to be there for a week already and Buffalo has to travel a few days before, like, I think that's a huge advantage. They also have the 49ers at home. They have the Bengals at home. They have the Ravens at home. Like, I think when you look at this schedule, that's the thing that pops to me. Like, can this team, are they good enough to possibly compete for the number one seed in the AFC 
and really take advantage of this division. And I think they can. Obviously, what Lawrence did last year to end was super impressive. After such a bad start, we finally saw the guy that was getting the comparisons to John Elway and to Andrew Luck as one of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen. Doug Peterson, of course, is a Super Bowl winning head coach that just made such a big difference, especially compared to Urban Meyer. He is just a, a pro, like an NFL coach. And we saw those results translate right away. They add Calvin Ridley, which is pretty explosive. I'm curious to see what he looks like to go along with Kirk, to go along with Zay Jones. They re-signed Evan Ingram. Their defense forced a lot of turnovers towards the back end of last year. I thought what this team was able to do in the second half of that Charger game, they were down 27 to nothing. Everything was going wrong. Trevor Lawrence, you know, as as high as we all are on him, the last, uh, you know, in that playoff game, he threw, he turned the ball over four times in the first half, but was able to recover and lead his team to a victory in the second half. That's what the great quarterbacks do. When they're in adversity, they don't let it get to them, and they ball out and, and they get the job done. That's exactly what he did in the second half of that game. And really, there's no reason why this team can't take the next step forward. You know, I, I'm a little bit down on Buffalo compared to the consensus opinion. And when I'm trying to look at some of the teams in the AFC that could possibly threaten Kansas City, I think Jacksonville is right at the top of that category. We saw them give them a heck of a game in the playoffs last year, and uh, I think they're going to be even better this year. My biggest question that I have for the Jaguars is, is a big year three leap coming for Trevor Lawrence? And if so, how can the Jaguars look on a larger scale? Because I think the consensus is high on the Jaguars this year. But how high are we? Are we talking, all right, yeah, they're winning division. It's an easy division. Or are we talking, yo, they are a threat to Kansas City. They are a threat to Buffalo. They are a threat to the Jets. They are a threat to the Bengals, you know? And that's where I'm trying to talk myself into. Obviously, we don't need to get into Super Bowl predictions or any of those larger scale predictions today. Uh, we just got to keep everything well, domestic here. Do you think they could be the number one seed with that schedule? Every big game is at home. Possibly, if things go right. But we'll see if I feel that way because I obviously have to give a record. So we'll know if I feel that way. But I think in the right world, yes, they can. But um, we'll see. We'll know really soon if I think they're going to be that because I got to, once again, rank them like as far as um, records. So, um, yeah, I think for me, you know, building upon my question that I just asked about Trevor Lawrence, the leap, and the, you know, the larger skill side of things, um, when you talk about this Jaguar team, a lot of people have Trevor Lawrence as the guy. Yes, he's a guy. Year three, going to take that leap. Because as we talked about with the quarterbacks and the trends, right, we saw Josh Allen, you know, um, Jalen Hurts take that leap. They got new toys, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs. They broke out. So now everybody is following that pattern. And the two guys that seem to come up right now is Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields as potential breakout year three leaps that take the league by fire, by storm. And um, I'm more so feeling that way with Trevor Lawrence this year than anything. You know, I still think Justin Fields could take a leap. But if you tell me who can take the biggest leap, it's Trevor Lawrence. And I think Calvin Ridley is a guy that wants to prove that he still has love for the game. He missed last year due to gambling. He took a mental health break the year before. And he's trying to prove to everybody that he still loves a game of football. He still can play the game of football. He still has the ability to run routes like a legitimate top 10 wide receiver in this league. And I think he will be that number one wide receiver for this team. And also, you add that along with the other weapons that this team have. Um, Travis Etienne, who's Trevor Lawrence's friend. 
um, no pun intended. They went back to school, you know, all the way back. They went together since um college days. So that always helps given that, you know, God, another weapon that he's familiar with and has chemistry with in the NFL, obviously, from last year. Um, the biggest question outside the question that I have comes on defense, the pass rush. You know, they do have Josh Allen. Um, I'm not talking about quarterback Josh Allen, defensive player Josh Allen. And they also have Trayvon Walker, whom they drafted with the number one overall pick. You know, to me, I would prefer them signing Jadavion Clowney to just bolster that unit. You know, you can never have enough weapons. I thought that they kind of underperformed from that aspect at various times last year, considering they do have the talent on paper to be a legitimate pass rush. If you get a guy like Jadavion Clowney, who, you know, didn't have the best year last year, but the year before he did have, you know, I believe nine sacks or something like that to that extent. Um, that will only bolster your defensive line and you're going to be able to get to the quarterback because one of the things that you want to do defensively in particular is get to the quarterback. That's the name of the game defensively. It's going to be hard to stop these wide receivers, right? So if anybody asks me, would I prefer a good secondary or a good defensive line? I'm taking defensive line. You build your team inside throughout, okay? Inside and out. Offensive line, defensive line. Having a great defensive line is a plus. So if they could just add that depth, this is a team that I'm going to even have more respect for um, on that side of the board and make them complimentary. Uh, listen, the Jaguars should win this division. Trevor Lawrence should break out. I don't think we consider him to be amongst the Patrick Mahomes as of today and uh, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. But I will tell you this, Zach. GM Trent Bolke eventually, potentially after this year, is going to have to come with the checkbook. Trevor Lawrence is going to get paid. And what will make that job easier of dishing out that check, that guaranteed contract, whatever, how many, however is guaranteed in that deal, but the baseline is through the roof, probably matching Justin Herbert's contract. You will feel better about doing that if Trevor Lawrence definitively show you that he can be up there and battle the Mahomes of the world, the Herberts of the world, the Joe Burrows of the world. If he can show you that this year, then you will feel extra good about paying him you know when it's due next offseason so there's a lot riding for trevor lawrence in particular he could make a lot of money and he's probably going to make a lot of money he's probably in his future but he can make a whole lot more money if he really goes out there and bowls out this year i like the team i like where they are they have a very bright future and i think their future is now Absolutely. And hey, he already beat Justin Herbert in a playoff game. He was pretty competitive with Mahomes in one. And for me, man, like I was just impressed. This team started four and eight last year, especially after everything that happened the year before in Urban Meyer uh, in his year. Like the fact that this team ended the year with five wins, six wins in a row, if you include the playoff game. But, you know, they ended with five wins in a row, including two wins over the Titans, who we just finished talking about and how much respect we have for Vrabel. And he dropped 40 on a Cowboys defense, which a lot of people are calling one of the better defenses in the league right now. And he outplayed Dak Prescott in that game. You know, the game, of course, ended on a pick six. Uh, so the, when you look at the way this team ended last year, combined with the schedule, which is really favorable, combined with the fact that, you know, they're by far in the way the best team in that division, like we should be expecting big things. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. Like week two, Jaguars hosting the Chiefs, like can't wait for that. The fact that they host the Bills in London after the fact, after the fact that they've been there for a week already, like can't wait for that too. So this is definitely one of the more intriguing teams. And uh we hinted at this when we did our quarterback and coaches list, but you know, that Lawrence Peterson duo could be very dangerous. Absolutely. 
And Zach, I'm ready to predict these teams and line them up here with our predictions. And I would love to go first. At number four, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts, 4-13 and record. And, um, you know, I just don't think they're going to win a lot this year. I think we're going to know that AR-15 is that guy for the future at the quarterback position, similar to the Bears when they only won three games, and yet we kind of still believe that Justin Fields is that guy. We saw just enough for us to believe that it was the right move for going that number one pick, trading it to be able to keep and retain that guy. So I think we're going to feel the same way about the Colts. You know, they may be in a position where they do have a pick like the Bears and they drafted high and they may have an opportunity to go Caleb Williams, but they're going to realize that AL-15 is a guy they need. They just need to build around him more. So I think, you know, it's going to have its trials and tribulations, but AL-15 is going to show flashes of being a MVP candidate for the season probably after that. So I'm going to go with the Colts, low expectations, but I am a fan of AL-15 and we'll see what he does now that he's named the starting quarterback for the team. I like them four and 13, number four ranked team in the AFC South. At number three, I'm going to go with the Houston Texans, five and 12. Only got them a game better than the Colts. The reason why is not because I think Stroud is a better quarterback. I just think they're a more complete team than the Colts are right now. They have a clear vision right now. I would say being that they don't have a running back who right now was having issues with the team and is distant and disconnected from the team. They could rely on him and they could rely on CJ Stroud developing eventually um i think transforming the culture is going to come with its ups and downs and it's going to be reflective in their record so i like them at five and twelve at number three and at number two i'm going to go with the titans at number two with a nine and eight record i had them over 500 nine and eight number three last year like i said was the definition of competitive rebuild in the sense that they won seven games and they lost the rest but um listen if you're well coached, you're always going to be in every game you play. Um, the physicality that they bring, they're going to be in every game they play, even against the the larger dogs. Forget the South. Against the larger dogs, if they played Kansas City on Sunday, I think that game is competitive. With all due respect, I really do. It was last year. It was when they didn't have Ryan Tannehill. When they was rocking out with Malik Willis, they kept that game to the fourth quarter. They just didn't sustain enough offense to overtime. Yeah, they went to overtime, I believe. Yeah, definitely went to overtime. So the Titans is a team that you still have to respect and put some respect on Derek Henry's name. He's still a man amongst boys. Did he fall off? Last year wasn't his best. Let's see how he looks a year removed from injury. I feel like Vable is more suitable for coaching an underdog team rather than a team with expectations. The Titans are not a team I like with expectations. That was clear and evident when they had the number one overall seed and that was a best opportunity with home court advantage throughout the AFC to win a championship. I don't like the, the Titans in that area. I like when they are the underdog, when they crept up on the NFL teams and made the AFC championship game and was up 17-0 against Kansas City. I like that version of you the know, Tennessee uh, Titans. They ended uh, the Tom Brady era in New England like that. And they ended the Tom Brady era in New England, unfortunately. I don't like that, but, yeah. you know, I like that, but not that. Um, I like when they are overlooked. So I think we can see Mike Vrabel's best coaching job this year, potentially, being that we don't expect a lot from that team. I like them at number two, nine and eight record. At number one, we know what it is. It's no surprise here. I'm going with the Jaguars, and I'm going to go with an 11 and six record. 
Um, so that's the answer, Zach. I think they're not going to be the number one seed, but they're going to be probably the three seed. I like their 11 and six. I haven't really did the mathematics on the other teams when determining their record. So, but you have to figure six games is not the number one seed. Um, so even though I don't have a team, like I didn't rank Kansas city yet. I didn't rank the Bengals yet. I didn't rank, you know, all these other teams yet, but six games probably is a, you know, top three seed. Um, they won five games in a row last year to make the playoffs. They remind me of the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, they won four games heading into the wild card. They lost the last game, but they won four games prior to that last game. They lost heading into the wild card, and they took that momentum and dominated the league the year after, which was last year. I think the Jaguars can do the same thing with that streak. Is It's hard to win football games, and when you're winning four and five in a row, that means you are a very good football team, and I think they can translate that to this year and Trevor Lawrence can show that he is an MVP candidate. I think he will. I like the Jaguars, number one, with an 11-6 record. So to recap my list, I like the Colts, number four, four and 13. The Texans, number three, five and 12. The Titans, number three, nine and eight. And the Jaguars, number one, 11-6. My night is over. All right, yeah, a lot of similarities with our standings. I'll get right into it. I will have the Colts in last as well. I think they win five games. I'll go five and 12. I'm just curious to see like how the quarterback situation goes because man, like the one thing you really want to avoid with Indy is that you play AR and his confidence just wanes and wanes and wanes. And it gets to a point where you have to make a move. That's the one thing you really have to avoid. I do think Shane Steichen is good enough to put him in positions to succeed. My only thing is like, is Jonathan Taylor going to be there? And once he gets there, like is, is he even going to be really like motivated to go all out hundred percent when it's clear, like him and the owner, are just not on the same page. I don't, you know, the weapons are interesting. I, I like Pittman, I like Pierce, but none of those guys have really taken a major step forward yet. I think there's going to be a whole lot of good and a whole lot of bad when it comes to Anthony Richardson. We just have to hope the the bad doesn't outweigh the good. And uh, based on the fact that he's starting Week One, you hope we don't see Gardner Minshew. I don't know if I'm convinced that's going to be the case though. So I'll have the Colts finishing in last at five and twelve. I agree with you on Houston. I'll give them one more win. I think they go six and eleven. I think we're going to learn D'Amico Ryans is the real deal. And I, I feel like a lot of people realize that already, but I think this is a great hire. I thought it, it is the perfect guy to bring into Houston and, and try to change this culture. I may not even be the biggest CJ Stroud believer, especially with these weapons around him, but I just think D'Amico and their new offensive coordinator coming from San Francisco as well, you know, quarterback friendly system. I think Houston will be better than expected. And I think they'll pick outside the top five. I, I've mentioned that. A lot of people think that Arizona is going to have, you know, two picks in the top five and that trade is going to be an all-time fleece. No, I think Houston will be better than people realize. I think they will finish in third at 6-11. and 11. I'll give the Titans one more win. I think they finished 7-10. and 10. I love Rabel, but I just think this team's window has just shut. And the sooner Mike Rabel realizes that, the better. One question, Will, though, that I have for you regarding the Titans that I'm curious, you know, does that 9-8 and eight prediction mean that you think Tannehill is going to be starting the whole season? Like, no injuries, of course, but like, do you think we see any of Levis or Willis? Um, I think Ryan Tannehill is probably going to start. Um, but I can see a world where they still get to that record. Um, like how last year they almost won a division with um the Kellen Mond, the quarterback that they signed. So um, or Dobbs, it was Dobbs, not Mond, it was Dobbs that they signed. So they were still competitive. Um, that's because of coaching. So I do think they're going to win nine games. I think Tannehill is going to start the full season. It's going to be his last year, and um, they're going to usher in the new. After, you know, they probably missed the playoffs. If that's the case, though, like, I feel like if Tannehill plays the whole season and you win nine games, like, are they going to want to get rid of him? Like, this is where what I mean. Like, 
Like, I think they're going to want to usher in the, the new because I'm not sure. Like I said, we still are ranking every team as we go along. I'm not sure if that 9-8 and eight is going to be good enough to make the playoffs. So I think if they miss the playoffs, which is a different expectation from what they're used to, it's going to be a little bit more simpler to move on even though they won nine games. If you don't make the playoffs when this team was competing, that's still incentive to move on and usher in the new. Yeah, especially in a AFC where, you know, seven teams are making it. So, yeah, uh, I, 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 I'll I have them winning two West games. I think we see Levis by week eight, week eight, week nine, around that range. And if I'm a Titan fan, that's what I want because I know deep down, like, you're not winning anything serious with Ryan Tannehill. And of the Jaguars winning the division, this is tough. I, I'll agree, man. I'll, I'll have them at 11 and six. I really wanted to pull Trigg and go 12 and five, but we'll see if this team really does learn know how to win. One thing that's also interesting to me is, like, I thought the atmospheres for their primetime games at home, you know, the Titan home game to clinch the division, the Jaguar, uh, the Charger playoff game at home, like Jacksonville, that's a legit home field advantage with fans that care. And looking at their schedule, like they have a Monday night game against the Bengals. Like that is going to be awesome. They have uh, a Monday, uh, uh, the Sunday London game. Like that's the other thing, man. Like the whole London situation, like if you're Trevor Lawrence, like you literally have a chance to become like the face of a franchise for a whole country and even more to that maybe even a whole continent we know how much the nfl has really embraced their international games and uh maybe there's a team in germany or a team in spain or a team in england one day and the fact that trevor lawrence you know he really has all, a lot of london rooting for them you know that's the jaguar the jaguars are their adopted team and the fact that the, the falcons come to play a game in london in fact the bills come to london to play a game like things are really trending up for this jaguar team I think they're the real deal, and I will as well have them finishing at 11 and 6. So, to recap, I'll have the Colts finishing in last at 5 and 12. I will have the Texans finishing in third at 6 and 11. I'll have the Titans finishing in second at 7 and 10. And I think the Jaguars are winning this division with ease. I think it will be wrapped up by week 12, week 11. It will be clear that they're the champions and the best team in this division. So, give me Jacksonville to take it home for the second year in a row. All right, folks, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up our division previews and predictions. And Zach, I'm looking forward to continuing this trend as we narrow the gap to football season. We are on the corner. Please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We've been slinging shows left and right, slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. It's, all ideas are great ideas, nothing but dumb questions.